Jay Sampson's story is truly remarkable. He's overcome adversity in the form of bullying, prejudice, and poverty to get himself through school, work really, really hard, and become, well, become the leader from scratch. He's currently working as an Associate Director of Innovation at the global consulting group Accenture, and his rise to that position, well, it was anything but easy. This is Jay's story. You're listening to The Accidental Disruptor. Here we are in Billund, Denmark, where I've got the chance to, to hang out with Jay Sampson, who's the Associate Director of uh, Innovation at Accenture. Jay, hello, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, uh, Nico, for this opportunity, and it's a pleasure to be part of this. Excellent. Um, you've got an amazing story to tell. So your, your rise in Accenture and you doing the great work that, that you've been doing uh, hasn't been hasn't been an easy straight up journey. And, and we talk about uh, disruption and personal disruption yeah. on our trajectory to get us where we want, want to go. Tell us about your story. Where did you start? Yeah, so yeah, you're right. Um, my journey as a leader right now is not a walk, walk in the park. Uh, I even coined this the leader from scratch because if you look at all the leaders that we have in the organization right now, most of them are either coming from the tier one school, which are the prestigious ones, but mine is, is, is not even known. So my career started even when I was 16 years old, right after I finished my high school, I started working in KFC um, as a service crew, but I became an all-star service crew in that five years while um, taking my degree in electronics and engineering. Right after college, I started working as a um, customer service agent in a call center. I even started selling porn, in fact. So it's, it's a funny thing. I, I, I joked about it because um, I was telling people that I needed to find work. I needed something that will um, help me catapult my career. So I have to start somewhere. So I started as an agent in call center. Um, but a couple of months after, I told myself, this is not what I want. And it's not helping me to achieve my goal. I'm the type of person who always set goals to myself, like having my North Star almost every year. But at the end of the day, I, I put God front and center in my in my life. So gratitude is really something that um, I, I have in, in innate. Um, I always say that you have to have a grateful heart so that you'll be able to fulfill whatever it is that you wanted to do in life. So I make it short. Um, a year after my, my university, I worked in the Philippines for, as a customer agent, uh, <laughs> selling points, just like what I said. But then I started to take bigger risk. I, I told my mom, just be quiet about this plan. I'll be going to Singapore with 40,000 pesos. That's not a lot. It's like around $800 and credit card. And I went there with no job at all. I rented a, a small place where I was actually um, sleeping um, in one of their couches and go to a computer shop just to do a mass send of my email, uh, my resume. And a week after, um, I got a job. But when I started that, um, I prayed. Uh, I told God that if I'll be in Singapore and within, within this couple of uh, days, if I have man managed to get a job, that means I'll be here and um, you will help me to change my life. But I promised something that once I'm able to get a job in Singapore, I'll open my house to family, friends, and relatives so that, same as me, they will have an opportunity also to change their lives. And I'm, I'm proud to say that within that 10 years that I was in Singapore, I was able to help at least seven friends, those who became successful. But there are a lot of them who also went to my place. I didn't charge them anything because for me, it's, it's my promise. And 
I was able to help them to have a better life now. And I also believe in miracles. Starting very young, um, coming from the Philippines, you know, from a third world country to the first world country, there are instances that um, there was a point in time that I don't have money at all. And then I was, I was praying. I was like, Lord, it's still like one week before salary. How, how can I survive? And guess what? While I'm walking in one of those um, bus stops in Singapore, $50 is flying in front of me. I was telling these stories to my mom and she was like, oh my God, I was having goosebumps. It's like, uh, I do believe in miracles because God sees everything that you do. When I went there in my first year, my, my dad actually was diagnosed with kidney failure and almost 60% of my salary is being sent to the Philippines just to help out. There was a period in time that I was doubting myself like I should just go back. But a friend told me, if you go back and you don't have money, what would be the sense of that? So I stayed, even though my dad passed away, I know that he was proud of what I've become. Um, cut the short short, I be, from, from being a systems engineer at the beginning of my career, um, the trajectory happens three years down the road when I was headhunted by Fuji Xerox. It's my last company where I became a global solution architect and started to be having that entrepreneur mindset um, six years down the road. So th- yeah. that in itself is a massive transition. So you've spent time studying, yeah. you've gone to Singapore, and then you've ended up at Xerox as a global solutions architect. Yeah. That in itself is a massive jump. I mean, that didn't just happen. Obviously, yes, you, you yes. did a bit of hustling. Oh, yes. Um, there was a point in time that one of my colleagues have been telling me, you, why did they hire you? You don't know anything. I was like, wow. Th- that itself is something that will you know, either doubt yourself or challenge yourself to be better. And I've been um, advocating this to, to the people that I have a chance to talk to. Like, don't stop reinventing yourself. Like when I was starting my career in Singapore, when they told me that I don't know anything, I told myself, okay, that will be a signal that you have to do better than what you are today. So I started to look for um, mentors where they will tell me, do this, do that. And you know, to the point that I'm able to memorize the system of a Fuji Xerox device, and I can actually dismantle that and put it together because that's what I did. I reinvented myself something from knowledge that I don't have, and I was able to become an expert to it, and I keep on doing that up to now. So you've gone from potentially feeling like you were suffering from imposter syndrome to saying, well, actually, I can either do that or throw myself into it and know everything I need to know about the business, and that's what you did. Yep, okay. yep. And, and after that, um, even today, I've been telling a lot of the people that I have uh, made in contact with that, don't stop learning, stay curious. And that kind of mindset will actually make you stay relevant. And today, like today, we are in Lego seriously because for me, it's something that I'm curious about. I know it's a new mindset, it's a new way of working that I can actually adopt and also leverage with whatever skills that I have and then put it together. And I know definitely when I, move, when I go back to the Philippines and start cascading this, I believe in the method and definitely people will see that and they will, they will start to adapt the, the things that we will be doing in the Philippines. Okay, so let's hit fast forward. Here you are now at Accenture in the Philippines and you're hitting innovation initiatives globally. Now Accenture has been around for what, since the 1950s. It's a huge global consulting group. Over half a million people actually work yeah. for the company. When you're looking at Accenture and you're looking like a, at, at a massive organization like that, um, people would think to move innovation initiatives at a, at a group that size could be challenging. How are you doing it? What's working? What's not working? What's your story in that space? Yeah. So like I just said, Accenture is a huge organization. And even though it's huge, it's nimble. 
it also empowers people, just like myself. I'm empowered to look for what's next. Just like being here is telling me that, you know what, you do what you need to do just to make sure that whatever you do is creating value to the organization. And how we did it is that through experimentation, you practice something that you've learned and then take note of all of the learnings. And as you take note of all that, when you do it with actual customer, when you do co-innovation, they see the value in how you are doing things. And right now, um, we are successful in doing innovation because there's, there are 29 of these globally connected studios, which I'm part of, and I'm, I'm proud to say that the studio that I'm leading is actually one of the advanced in the world. So w what's made it the most advanced in the world? And how, what are you doing to get the attention of all the other studios? So what we do is we know who the people we work with and also we know who are the customers that we're working with. We don't stop learning as well through people that we are working with. We do a lot of market research. We, we connect with our labs. We also don't stop learning with the new methodologies and new technologies so that customer will say, hey, that's in the Philippines? I didn't know that you guys can do that. And that's now, that, that is now starting to create a noise because they see us as a place where there's magic that's happening in there because there are right people with the right mindset doing the right thing for their customer that is bringing value. Okay, so how does that work internally? How do you engage and inspire innovation with a team of that size? Do you have innovation ambassadors? Do you have innovation labs? How does that yeah. work? Yeah, so I've been running my own initiatives as well. Um, I don't know, it's just in me. The others will, will say that he's the thinker in the group uh, who's actually doing a lot of all this. And I keep on envisioning how the future will be like. And then I started putting uh, modules together. And to your point, we always have this first Friday innovation. The intent is to get our people to have at least an hour to spare out of their regular work to just whether listen to a podcast, learn something new, like a new uh, language or a program, or sometimes just huddle and then start brainstorming. And it's a regular thing that we do. And on top of that, my team have been running irregular constant sessions of um, design thinking sessions across the organization. We've been running agile uh, methodology uh, foundation training. And the next thing that we've been doing now is business agility where we are now helping business and IT to be aligned so that they can help the organization to catapult with their enterprise digital transformation journey. So how do you evaluate these uh, innovation initiatives? What's the measure? What are the KPIs? So one of the things that we do is like, innovation doesn't have to be a new product. Sometimes it's just about process engineering. What we measure is how we engage people. If we see that they're enjoying what they do on top of their current work, that's already a plus sign to us. And on top of that, we allow them to be creative. We allow them to fail as well. Where in, in Accenture, we are now fostering a new culture where people can be themselves. You can fail, because for us, failure is where you will learn a lot. And that's how we are able to make them to think that, oh, it's just okay to fail and we can innovate together. Now, we kind of leapfrog because we talked about your role at Xerox uh, coming from yeah. university and yeah. KFC. And we didn't actually talk, we haven't had the chance to talk about how you transitioned into this amazing leadership role at, uh, at Accenture. How did that happen? So, um, in my sixth year in, in Xerox, um, I, it may sound like I'm bragging, but I'm just proud of what I've become. I mean, I'm the only uh, Filipino in that organization. There are 33 nationalities. All of them are like 10 years older than me, but I was able to make it as a uh, first Filipino line manager, which I, I, I have like 
20 regional solution architect and sometimes I play the role as a global solution architect. When I was feeling, feeling stuck with my role, I told myself I'm not learning anymore. So I created a new path for me where I told my leadership, I told them this is what I want to do, this is where I feel I'll be an asset to the organization where I'll be in front of the customer, um, doing innovation with them, understanding them because I feel there's that, that skill that I have which is really doing solutioning in front of the customer but they didn't subscribe to that. So I decided to leave the organization with no job at all. Again, taking the risk. Um, I left Singapore. I even surrendered my residency because in my heart, I know there's something there for me to do and to fulfill. And upon doing that, I, I did um, started to be grateful. I started saying, that, Lord, I'm okay with where I am right now. I have been to multiple countries. I'm grateful with the investments that I have, the learnings that I have, and also the, you know, the, the fortune that I managed to uh, amass in Singapore. When I moved back to the Philippines, I was headhunted. So they saw my profile and they started asking me, hey, we've seen you doing all this and we have this innovation center in, in, in Accenture. Will you be interested to do it? They took risk by getting me, imagine I'm a solution architect and then they put me in, in this role doing innovation, not minding what is my background about. And in my first year, it was also not a work in the park. People are questioning my capability. People are questioning um, what can I bring to the table. Six months down the road, they're like, whoa, this guy is something. Because I was able to show them I may be quietly doing something, but these are global standards that you don't get from anyone in the organization because my background is a solid 10 years global exposure. And when they see that, they started to, okay, let him do whatever he needs to do. And then I started to build my, my own um, credentials as an innovation lead in the, in the organization. So what you just described, there'd be many people in that position that may have joined an organization today, yesterday, or about to, who are spearheading innovation initiatives, and they'll be faced with all the challenges that you were faced with when you first started at Accenture. What's your advice to them? One is, um, sometimes you have to talk, talk less, smile more. You don't have to let them know what you're against or what you're for, right? Um, all you need to do is observe. Once you observe, I think it's also part of uh, the art of war, knowing your enemies and knowing your ecosystem. Uh, what helps me is that when I quiet myself and um, understand where I am, my surroundings, the ecosystem, my network, I was able to strategize my next steps. And uh, because of that, I was, I was able to adapt with the culture and also with the ecosystem itself. And because of it, I was able to be, um, to show them that, you know, I have substance. And adaptability is really key. It's something that people should know that if you are given, or if you are uh, thrown into the ocean, you have to adapt and learn how to swim with all of the skills that you have, because you can. You've done so much work over the last few years. What are you most proud of today? Um, putting that studio that I started two years ago into where it is right now and being the first um, global certified expert in design thinking in Accenture, Asia Pacific, is something that I'm really proud about because it's just a vision that I was telling my boss um, a year when I started that I want to be this and I made it. And right now, um, this is something that you know a lot of people will be having a first-hand information because I'm brewing something big in, in the center where it's a one whole week event that everyone will be knowing more about how design can help change their work, their life, 
in everything that they do uh, using the, the value of design. So it's something that I'm really proud about. So for someone listening to this podcast right now and hearing your story where you kickstarted at KFC as you were studying at university, transitioned to Xerox, took the risk, you'd gone to Singapore with nothing, didn't even know where to stay, yeah. and now you're doing what you're doing, what advice would you give to someone who really has big dreams of achieving amazing, wonderful things in their professional life, but they just don't know where to start? What do you say to them? First, have a grateful heart, like what I said earlier. The moment that you put God front and center in what you do in life, nothing is impossible. The rest of it, be adaptive. And, you know, anything in the world, change. And it's inevitable. It's up to you whether you want to adapt to the positive side or to the negative side. We are also malleable in terms. So you just have to know when to do the right next step. And like what I said earlier, it is something that I coined from the musical Hamilton. Uh, like what Aaron Burr told uh, Hamilton that, um, talk less, smile more. You don't have to tell everyone what, what you need to do. Because in that moment, that's where you can actually make the big leap of your, of your life and also in your career. Jay, amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Nico. Hey, thank you for listening. And just before you go, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. You can also subscribe to Accidental Disruptor on one of many platforms that we're available on, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Breaker, Anchor FM, of course, and Spotify. So until next time, you take care.